A brand is a like a cup that you fill with meaning, right? Welcome to another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, The Cusp Show. We talk about the business of sports, media, disruption, cause marketing, social responsibility, all different kinds of things, throwbacks today, all different kinds of stuff. So uh, I'm here, Joe Favorito, the last Friday of October with my co-host, Tom Richardson. Tom, how was your week? The week was good. Um, I'm looking forward kind of to the world series we're recording this on the day of the 20 the beginning of the 2023 world series and i think if you ask most baseball fans and uh betting aficionados if we'd have the arizona diamondbacks and the texas rangers they'd probably say hell no uh so it's a little bit weird um and you've probably been seeing all the stories joe this week about the potentially disappointing ratings that are maybe expected as a result of this. Not too, not too many big superstars, obviously not mm. ideal markets for media. So what are your thoughts? And I'm still going to, I'm still going to tune in and pay attention. I, I think uh, any yeah, finals I mean, in any sport is interesting to watch, but it, it's not quite as exciting as it might have been otherwise. No. And, and I think, you know, not just the markets, but the locations of the markets. And, and I think there was a certain cachet for Philly and, um, you know, I know several people in our program, including uh, our director, Scott Rosner, wanted to see uh, the Phillies get in. But uh, and obviously the big names that have been around the Phillies and the big names that have been around the Astros. So, you know, that's the way it goes. And, and ironically, I did see one story this morning from a baseball writer say, oh, ratings don't mean anything. So they, they don't mean anything when they're bad. When they're great, they mean everything. And, yes, uh, yeah, and he, he, he must be new in the sports business to utter a phrase. <laughs> yeah, readings don't mean anything. Yeah. Um, but also, um, I think baseball's had a tremendous season with the rule changes and a lot of the other things that have come along. And um, if millions and millions of people will be watching the World Series, if it's not the millions that have watched in other years, so be it. But I don't think that that kind of puts it down on anything that baseball's done. And this has been a landmark year, by the way, capped whether they are MLB players or not, going into the uh, LA Olympics in 2028. So That's right. Yeah, so that's interesting. But it, it also occurred to me, thinking about the timing of the World Series, it's such a competitive media marketplace in sports at this time of the year. So we've got, obviously, the opening of the NBA season, which as a, as a fan, I was paying attention to. There's been some good games this week, some interesting storylines already. We've got NHL full swing doing some interesting stuff, of course, ongoing NFL, which always dominates, and then college football. We've got NWSL playoffs. We've got MLS playoffs. We've got uh, volleyball that seems to make frequent appearances on TV <laughs> lately, as we've discussed previously. World Chase Tag. So there was World, World Chase. Tag. Joe, I mean, I was, I've been talking about this organization for the last four yeah. years, as you know. Now it seems like every other time I flip to ESPN two, it's World Chase Tag. Or now they they also have other distribution agreements or on other channels. Yeah, it was on it was on Yes Network this week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's where I saw it this week. World uh, World Chase Tag on Yes Network. So yeah. Point is, the long tail of content is kind of stunning, and it just keeps get, keeps getting longer. So. I don't envy those that are living and dying by the ratings because um, it's really hard. And that was evidence already with the NBA this week. I guess opening night wasn't as good as they had hoped. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But I anyway. saw the typical spin was ESPN put out something saying that the, the Spurs Mavericks game was the best late night Wednesday number that the NBA had done in 10 years in the month of October, right? Yeah. Late night, late night. I actually did watch that game, that game yeah. to check out Wemby and, uh, and yeah. what a talent. I mean, not an outstanding game, but a good game. And it was fun to watch him. And then we had LeBron on against wow. Kevin Durant last night. And uh, that was actually a pretty close game. So I don't know. It's good to have it back, in my opinion. Don't, don't sleep on Kristaps Porzingis and the Boston Celtics if he stays healthy. I watched that Knicks was, game, and I was, was excited when the Knicks had a lead in the fourth quarter, and then yeah. uh, my hopes were dashed as they, they rendered that lead yeah. partly or mainly based on really bad free-throw shooting. 
Yep. For anybody who was paying attention. So <laughs> let's let's uh, go to our guest because we're going to take one step back into the past with part of what we're going to talk about and probably a couple steps forward with a popular topic, which is cause marketing and social responsibility. And uh, he is joining us for the second time at the same company, but with a different name, Tom, since, so a rebranding of, of what, what he's done. So, yes. uh, and someone who, you know, I've known for several years and you've known for a long time when you guys worked at the NFL together. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to touch on some pretty interesting topics, everything from throwbacks to looking forwards and uh, Jeff Sofka, the, the founder and CEO of now playbook for health. Welcome back to the cusp show adorned. People won't see it, but we will say with a, Roback Jim Zorn jersey, which is where we're going to start. Awesome. Can't wait. I'm repping the Seahawks this weekend because they are busting out the throwbacks for the first time. And uh, I did actually have a chance to meet Jim Zorn last year. And I admitted to him that he was my first ever jersey that was came out of the Sears catalog in like 1976 or something like that. And um, and the Seahawks were kind enough to actually send me a throwback Jim Zorn jersey, which he kindly signed for me. So I'm I'm wearing it like with great pride. And we work so closely with the Seahawks that uh, like I will tell you, the Seahawks have gone crazy with embracing this whole throwbacks thing. They've brought back, you know, music. They've brought back um, players. They've brought back uh, um, there's they've created a whole uh, website by Microsoft that's just a throwback website. It looks like a 1999 like, you know, the HTML format website, the whole really? thing is so cool. They've really, they've really, you know, grabbed this and, you know, that sort of just seeing what happened last couple of weeks with the the Buccaneers and the Eagles going completely off the rails with the throwbacks with the old jer- jerseys and all the social and cool cultural stuff around it just makes me really glad. And Tom, you and I. Yeah. So Jeff, let's actually, let's actually go there. Um, you were involved with NFL licensing back in the 90s when there were a lot of innovative programs uh, around ways to reimagine how you would use merch and, and apparel to basically build interesting marketing campaigns and things like that. Why don't you actually help those particularly young people who may not know how this all originated as a marketing initiative for a league, because obviously other leagues have done the same thing that the NFL started, but let take us, let's go to the way back machine. Tell us about the origins of this and kind of what the motivation was from a business standpoint. Yeah. So I was the head of licensing for apparel for the league. So, I mean, we sold like a billion dollars worth of product, right. And there was always trying to find new ways to be innovative and cool. And Frank Vuno, who was um, the, the head cheese back then at the NFL, he was always trying to push our buttons to try to find new and innovative things. I used to go over to Europe to the ISPO show and some of the, you know, and, and just go around, even go to Paris and check out the fashion just to find out what was happening. And so funny, but like there was a company called Campari. They were uh, an NFL Europe licensee and they were doing like throwbacky looking stuff in Germany and France and England. I mean, the whole retro thing was really happening back then. And this is 1991, right? So talk about like going way back, showing our age. So anyway, I brought some samples back and I remember, you know, the end major league baseball, had had a thing called the Cooperstown collection. So credit Rick white, you know, really they were the first ones visionary got to give them all the credit after then we did throwbacks, which I'll explain. Then after that, the NBA did like the, uh, I don't know, the heritage collection. And then the NBA did the hardwood courts collection or something. But the throwback thing was really interesting because we knew and we had already been in some of these meetings, Tom, about the upcoming NFL 75th anniversary, mm-hmm. which was going to be in which was 1994, uh, yeah. in 94. Right. Yeah. And so I'm thinking, man, if it takes like 18 months for the product cycles to work through and get from idea to, to the retail floor. So um, I decided it would be a good idea to try to go out to some creative agencies and try to see if we can package and brand up nostalgia for the NFL. Now it's interesting because at the time there was a lot of arguments around, well, you know, NFL shouldn't be in the trading card business. That's kind of stupid. That's a baseball thing, right? Well, the same thing about nostalgia, like there's no nostalgia for the NFL. Baseball has the nostalgia. And I was like, Oh my God, there's like this, this treasure chest of unlocked, you know, cool stuff, old uniforms, old logos. 
and the players, and I had met these guys, the Dick Buckuses, the Ray Nitschkes, the Gail Sayers. I've met all these guys on the road doing kind of promotions at retail stores around the country with the NFL. And I was like, you know, there's got to be something here. So put together, uh, and I can't remember the agency's name, but we did a lot of the work in-house at NFL Properties, Bruce Burke, Jerry Giordano, uh, these guys. And then our crew, it was Kevin Carter, you know, God rest his soul, uh, Mike Laparo, Roger Akin, that whole crew. I was like, okay, we're going to try to do a real platform around nostalgia and bring it back and lead into the 75th anniversary. So we, um, I went out to this agency, they gave me 27 names, you know, the, this collection, the, that collection. And one line on there, it just said throwbacks. And I was like, oh, throwbacks. That's cool. Right. So anyway, I kind of landed on that one and started to sort of socializing it around. And I went to some of our licensees. I was like, hey, what do you think of this throwbacks? And one licensee who's like a very prominent guy, I won't say his name, but he was like, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. Is that like a small fish that you throw back? What does that mean? Throwback. I was like, no, like a throwback to a bygone era, like a, right. Right. like a, you know, like a throwback player, like a throwback, you know. Anyway, so somehow I was able to convince, you know, everybody that throwbacks was the name. We registered the trademark and we started putting out wow. stuff. I actually ran into a guy, his name was Craig Tiedman, um, and he was doing these really cool, authentic old jerseys um, for like Yale and Harvard, like that from their 1950s. So we we're like, okay, can we get you licensed? We couldn't, but we ended up marrying him up with Champion. And Champion started doing it. I even brought one, doing like, here's like the Bart Starr jersey. Wow, you know? wow. Ooh, For those who can't and... see, that's number five oh, from the yeah. Green Bay Packers from the 1960s. Yeah, with the old no, logos. And all so... It's not Bart Starr. Oh, wait. Well... No, 15 is oh, Bart oh, Starr. I didn't see the one. I just saw the five. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, Horning is number five. Right. Anyway, so it caught on and it was really good. And then as Tom and I ended up, going to more and more of these meetings with the NFL 75th anniversary committee, we started talking about throwbacks as a platform to bring back the old jerseys. And I got invited or invited to like, I'm not sure if that's the right word. I was told I was going to be going on uh, to the NFL owners meeting to pitch all the owners on how we can take one day, September 18th, 1994, and completely outfit the entire league in jerseys and uniforms that reflected some you know, day of their past, because that was the weekend that the league had been formed in like 1933 in the Mobile showroom in Canton, Ohio, with all the good uh, NFL Hall of Fame information that we had had. So long story short, we baked it, throwbacks took off. And then uh, for the 75th anniversary, you know, we had a year and a half to lead into it. And we really fired on all cylinders. Tom, I've got a video that I will post onto, onto LinkedIn that I've got it. You're in it. I'm in it. It's like hysterical. Um, really how young we were just talking about how the whole you know organization got behind it oh that's right they like interviewed us about yeah, what we were yeah, doing yeah. Yeah, all right well i want to actually mention that because i think the only thing i had to talk about well i had two things we did a book with turner publishing yep. and look at this jeff that looks familiar oh my gosh look at that, Is that like so a... while you were worried about apparel i was worried about digital stuff this is the cd-rom celebrating the 75th anniversaries NFL CD-ROM 75th greatest plays. So this, I think maybe we sold about 17 or 18 of them, <laughs> maybe 20. Um, but yeah, that was my contribution along with the book. So, but I'd love to see that video. Yeah, I will send it. And and then, you know, again, I don't want to get down too much of a rabbit hole, but, you know, we, the league and Stieg really embraced the whole throwback part of this. So we called it throwback week, throwback uniforms, throwback players, throwback events, throwback celebrations. So the word throwback, I mean, Brian McCarthy and Chris. Uh, 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 McCluskey? No, no uh, from PR. Um, oh, Woodmire. Wood, yeah. wood, wood yeah, wood they were like, they were like, you know, they had me out there talking to like CNN and ESP, you know, like wow. doing interviews with the, the media, funny. how this was going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. They did a whole uh, uh, prime time NFL 75th anniversary ABC thing right. with diana ross and like joe montana hosting it was like what about know. qbc did you get did you get down to westchester pa to sell some jerseys that way uh, i'm sure i think i there was definitely some throwback shows but i guess it was um it was that kind of weird time in history when like i think there was such a a need to to pull this stuff because nothing had been done like this before right you know? right and so really proud of that and now it's fun, kind of funny because over the years you see, oh, and then it's throwback soda from, you know, from Pepsi, right. it's a throwback product. And then it's Facebook does throwback 
Thursdays. And it becomes part of the lexicon because nobody knew what throwback yeah. was. It wasn't a word. Like right. we were able to register and trademark the word. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, it's a hashtag, TBT, throwback Thursday on Twitter. I know. It's crazy. Yeah. <clears throat> right. So I look back and like if we if the if that like 13 or 22 names, if throwback hadn't been on that list and we hadn't caught our eye and there were some people who voted that that was going to be the one. We would not have any such thing as throwback Thursdays or any of this stuff going on. Right. It's like crazy right. how it's like the butterfly, you know, fl flaps its wings in Costa Rica and then there's a hurricane in like, uh, you know, in Georgia. Right. Or it's actually kind of like Bobby Valentine inventing the sandwich wrap. Anyway. Is that, so. OK, but but Jeff, so once the the fever broke of the of the throwback activity in the mid 1990s. How did it actually? How did it kind of evolve as the sports business industry just became more a bigger and a little bit more complex? How? What is? Where does? Where does it fit in now? Well, I think it's. it's how did it evolve? Yeah, I think it flatlined for like twenty years, right? It was like yeah. you know, on occasion, like there's a lot of things you need to think about. Like the Giants are wearing their throwbacks uniforms that they never took off. So in '94, they had had the old Phil Sims one, right? Oh, right. uh, there's okay. giants on here and they went to the ny and that was a big deal because new jersey they're like hey we play in new jersey we can't do ny oh no it's just the throwback you know right so and that throwback stayed and then the jets did the same thing they went back to their from the jets logo they kept the the briars ice cream logo i think they used to call it right which has then evolved since the 49ers won the super bowl in their throwbacks they never took it off because they kept winning so that the 49ers jersey that has the numbers with the shading on it, like the big uh, shadows, mm -hmm. um, all that was throwback. So a lot of the stuff sort of like it it did. It, you forgot that it was something different. It just felt like it was part of the pantheon of, you know, of marks. And I think, like I said, the reason I'm wearing the thing today is that I feel like all of a sudden the thing blew up again this last three weeks. And I think it was the, the creamsicle uniforms in Tampa Bay, which were, you know, with the 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 Bucky the pirate or whatever his name is with the you know with the knife in his mouth uh, and the Eagles thing on you know was it Sunday Night Football um, that I mean those jerseys and the helmets and the uniforms look so great and I think it's a tribute to the designers who built the NFL logos and uniforms in like the 1930s 40s and 50s they were I mean. Joe and Mike, maybe it's time for us to start putting this on YouTube so people can see the these cool uh, thing items we're showing each other. Yeah, Joe just pulled a, a, a Tampa Bay Buccaneers Steve Young creamsicle jersey out. Uh, Leroy Selman was like, you know, right behind yeah. him for sure. That was Fine. some color. But anyway, Jeff, maybe, maybe it does need to be like every 20 years because it kind of represents generation. So the so the nostalgia for boomers is different than the nostalgia for Gen X, which is going to be different than the nostalgia for millennials like i know a lot of young millennial basketball fans who think about kobe bryant and michael jordan like as nostalgia figures at this yeah. point and they well, it's funny too like for for our age and being us they were rock and roll guys the um you know the, the seahawks it's all about like you know nirvana mud honey pearl jam yeah. that sort Grunge, of grunge from the 90s right so <laughs> they're like i don't know i find that that like 25 years seems to be like, like the 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 wave of nostalgia like when i was a kid it was like oh we watched happy days it was like because we the 50s was cool in the 70s then like the 60s was cool in the 80s and the 80s <laughs> was cool in the 2000s it seems like there's this sort of lag time right oh, kids okay. were like 16 and 17 and that's what they grew up with then they then when they get to be in their 30s and 40s and become big consumers they pine away for those great days because they forgot all the bad stuff so, so do you think like right around the Civil War, they were saying, boy, we really love those tricorder hats. <laughs> really? That Revolutionary War had some good merch in it. <laughs> yeah, the swag was was key. The grays was really clean, you yeah. know? So I guess that means we can look forward to the comeback of skinny jeans in the in the 2030s, maybe, with this 20-year cycle so, that, you, that you're estimating. Um, anyway, props to the Seahawks. Check them out this weekend. They are going to be full on. It is a throwback weekend for the ages, and um, it's going to be cool. Quick, quick last question on this back to business. Does this really ring the cash register, as they say? Like, this, it, are these things really successful at retail? Um, yeah. I mean, look, it's never going to be enough to, you know, to, to 
you know, put you over the top for your annual budgeting. But I, I think, and, and I remember going in and I, when I post this, I did this interview with like Chet Kopic, who was like on like the local ESPN type of channel, mm-hmm. right? You remember Chet Kopic? And he was asking, you know, how much money are you going to make on this? I was like, you know, it's really not about the money. And I was feeling like I was being really idealistic, but I, I really right. meant it. I was like, right. this is about unlocking that history. And if you read the Adweek article that hit today or yesterday, right. it's about it's about creating depth and breadth of your brand and being able to show different facets of the brand. And, you know, a brand's not a logo, right? This is a logo, right? That's not a brand. The Seahawks are a brand, right? A brand is a like a cup that you fill with meaning, right? And we got to write that down. Yeah. Like a brand, a brand doesn't live on your shoulder. A brand lives in the six inches between your ears. It's what you think about that product, that organization, that initiative. That's the brand. So mm-hmm. to me, throwbacks and that stuff is really important to sort of like toggle back to the full history of a brand so you can see it in its full depth and you can understand where it came from, why it's there. Uh, and I think it's I think it it's really critical. And that article in Adweek was really cool because it was like what what other marketers can learn about how, you know, the NFL is doing throwbacks and helping build their brand from the bottom up. I forget exactly how they said yeah. it. It also occurred to me as you were describing you're describing it that way. It's almost from marketing standpoint, like customer ret- retention yeah. effort, yeah. you know, just making people who are getting older f- continue to feel good yeah. about their affinities with, let's say, in this case, the NFL or the Seattle Seahawks, because we do see some evidence, particularly as the media landscape changes so much, comes a little bit more frustrating for users that yeah. fandom could diminish a little bit. So every little bit counts in terms of retention, in terms of the affinity. And, and the, you know, the other thing along those lines is that it doesn't have to be tasteful. Like I would imagine somewhere out there, the Chicago White Sox game shorts that they wore the one year are out there as something cool or interesting. So I think sometimes the more bizarre, the more interesting things were, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's people out there who collect WHA jerseys or ABA throw, you know, you see the spirits of St. Louis around, you know, and by the way, and a shout out to Mitchell and Ness, because they were really one of the companies that saw this, grabbed it. They've now been purchased by Fanatics, obviously, yeah. like everybody yes, else in the apparel right. business uh, for the most part. But, you know, they saw it. And I remember when I was at the Sixers walking into that store, that little grungy store. And the other one that always had it was Jerry Cosby in New York by Madison yeah, Square Garden. Right. Yep. And, and you'd walk in as, you know, a 20 something and look and see these jerseys. You could only get there, and and they were smart enough to grab it and, and kind of play onto the nostalgia side. Um, but why don't we um, pivot to the playbook for health side, Jeff? And uh, yeah, stay. But stay. Let's stay with the Seahawks theme. But overall, uh, by the way, I think it would be helpful because I'm assuming most people maybe have not listened to the episode from two years ago. Just tell us in two minutes what three playbook years ago, three years, twenty twenty years ago, yeah. even more so. So tell us what playbook for health is now. So. Um, our agency was called Bendigo. We have done a wide range of marketing programs, you know, over the years and having been at like Live Nation and the NFL, it was pretty broad, but I got sucked into healthcare about 12, 13 years ago. Again, Frank Vuno came back into my life. He was like, hey, could you help us rebrand this hospital system? I'm like, hospital system? It's like, like I, yeah, I don't I'm do a guitar player. Systems. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, you know, but he takes me over to Hackensack University Medical Center where, you know, which was an unbelievable place. And he's like, look, we we need to completely reimagine the brand of this place because the brand's really good, but the brand identity is, is for crap, right? We had a bad logo. The name was off. Our trademarks were an issue. There was no good advertising. So, you know, the best branding projects of all time are the ones where you've got a great brand, but you got a bad brand identity because then all you're doing is trying to create, a, you know, iconography and music and sound and visuals uh, that, you know, really speak to the the real uh, reinvigor- reinvigorates yeah. the actual brand yeah. right and the brand's already great so all you need to do is represent it better so anyway that was how we kind of mistakenly got into healthcare i became the interim chief marketing officer uh for them mm-hmm. for like 18 months i just parked my agency there uh, then the two key guys from uh, that organization moved out to seattle to virginia mason franciscan health uh tom cruzy and katul patel 
they were really visionary guys. And they're like, hey, remember all that good stuff you did at Hackensack? We had the Giants. We had the Red Bulls. We we had the Northern Trust PGA. We The Super Bowl came into town. We we're the official medical services provider of the Super Bowl. Can you do that for us? And so we're like, yeah, of course. Uh, next thing you know, it's the Mariners. And anyway, um, once you have two, you're like, oh, maybe there's a business here. So Bendigo changed in about five, six years ago. Uh, Mike Laporta and I, who's my second in charge, he's our, again, was like, hey, don't be an idiot. You know, like there's a whole world out there of healthcare companies that need to be able to figure out how to do sports. And why are they doing sports? There was this whole, this whole world of mergers and acquisitions that were coming after the Affordable Healthcare Act because the healthcare providers needed to get bigger to fight against the insurance companies and Medicare and all the rest, right? So they needed critical mass and scale. So how do you get to be big? You acquire other companies. How do you become the dominant acquiring person? You have great brand, great sponsorships, great partnerships, great um, clinical, and you and you got money. So everybody wanted to be the official medical services provider of the, the Giants or the Bears or the Seahawks or whatever, because the reputation that you have for being selected by these teams to be their official trusted partner says something about you as a healthcare organization that the, you would be trusted by them to take care of their players, take care of their community, take care of their ownership group and everything else. So we kind of coined this thing called the transfer of trust, right? And we started doing some research around it with Turnkey, who then became MarketCast. And now we're with Vision Insights, actually, trying to tease these things out. Like, what does it mean for a person who believes that Hackensack is the official medical services provider, along with hospitals for special surgery of the giants. Well, those people are two to three times more likely to trust and consider utilizing those hospital systems because they believe if you're good enough to take care of the giants, you're good enough to take care of my aunt Millie or my kid or my knee. Wow. Interesting. So it's this, and it, look, it's all caught up right now. And now it's really gone on crack lately. Right. So the, where we are right now is that there's been a huge erosion in trust and call first party advertising claims, right? Like, Hey, we're the best soda, right? Well, does anyone care? <laughs> like I, today I had to get a, like a, a roofing gutter guy. Do you think I'm like looking at people's websites? I'm going to Yelp and I'm looking at the, right. I'm looking at the ratings and what are other people say? And I'm looking at the comments. So they're like, Oh, these guys stink, <laughs> you know? Oh, I would trust these guys with my kid. I'm going to go with the guys that other people say. So what's happening is that the so much money. And I'll tell you how much I can give you some numbers because like Sponsor United just came out with the MLB numbers. Uh, over $100 million was spent in the healthcare category for NL MLB sponsorships across the board with the teams this in 2023 season. Um, the year before that, the NFL was $145 million. So you're just, talking, just in the healthcare sector. Just in healthcare. So that's three, four million per team. Right. Um, Avenue. Now that's not just hospitals, right? That's also like the Quest Diagnostics Training Center out with the Giants in New Jersey, or you know, there's companies like Whoop or Apple who are doing health tech and biotech and pharma. So, but in aggregate, you know, if you take the NFL and you take MLB, you just add up that quarter billion right there, you know. So, and the problem is the, none of these healthcare systems had anyone to advocate for them and help them. So they needed like, you know, what do you call like the right. fox in the hen house, someone who'd been on both sides of the equation. So we now went in all with both feet and we now represent like 10 of the top hospital systems in the country and help them negotiate all of their official medical services provider agreements, which every team and every college have. Wow. Wow. I know, it's Good been crazy. for you, man. Like you saw an opportunity and you, you made it work. Jeff, did the, I'm curious, do these deals typically involve some level of service? So when you think about the components and the contours of any deal, sponsorship deal, there's marketing and there's um, uh, media, there's activations in the, in the, in the uh, stadium, et cetera. Do they integrate actual service contracts? It's a great question. It's a chicken and egg question. So traditionally, the, the organizations that have been with teams for decades, right, like let's say, um, you know, Virginia Mason, you know, and the Seahawks or uh, Hackensack, uh, Hospital for Special Surgery and the Giants. They got decades of being the team provider, but somewhere in the mid 2000s to 2010s, they were like, well, we want to do a sponsorship as well. But there's some very clear rules around it, right? So the collective bargaining agreements with all the teams make sure that the team can't just sell their health care to the highest bidder. 
because you the the player's health is paramount right and you don't want to be and i'll give you a great example too like we did a focus groups i think i might have told this story last time we were on but it's one of those one-way mirror three things. years ago no one will remember i know <laughs> so but but this is kind of how it works right so the um we, we were doing a, a, a brand overview and it was about the giants and it was about hack and sack and the moderator asked the question says hey does anybody know who the you know official medical services provider is you know for the giants and the guys oh it's hack and sack he goes oh how do you know that he goes oh i hear it on imus i see it as a season ticket holder because really well how do you think that happens and he goes well they're, they're a really great hospital so you got to think that the team wants to get the best player you know care for their players and the moderator's like does anyone else feel any different some guy goes and he probably play a million dollars for that, right? And the guy's like, "Wait a minute!" So you pay for it, and, oh, and right. right? And then the one guy's like, "Well, you pay," but then he said, "Well, is it you pay or whatever?" And then some other character in the back says, "Yeah, well, they wouldn't take ten million dollars from that hospital down the corner because they stink, <laughs> right?" So where it got left off was like, "Okay, so you know that there's some financial equation, but you know that the team's not going to trust their players." to a crappy hospital to make a buck. So the answer to that yeah. is both. So there's a lot of um, places where our clients are the official medical services provider. They handle the team. Uh, they are fully integrated with this team training staff like Emory Healthcare and the Falcons uh, and the Atlanta Hawks, complete, full, deep integration. Um, there's other places, I won't say where, but where we're the official medical services provider in name only, um, the care on the field has been taken care of by the by the trainer and another group of, of orthopedic specialists. But that's where we can transition this discussion to, which is that those are the organizations, especially that we really lean into the cause marketing programs. NFL Crucial Catch, um, great example of you know a national tentpole initiative by the NFL that celebrates survivorship and tries to inspire people getting their screenings. So we work like crazy with, you know, five NFL teams to try to amplify on a local level the NFL Crucial Catch program and try to inspire people to change their behaviors and get their screenings. So um, you can go online and look at what Kettering Health did with the Bengals this last week or what the Seahawks just did last week with the um, with Virginia Mason Franciscan Health. We just did Emory Healthcare with the Falcons a couple of weeks back and did really cool cross promotions with Publix. But if I got to say, like, how does that work? I mean, you know, a couple things. Number one is, um, you know, we're raising millions of dollars through these programs for the hospitals who are nonprofits. Uh, so, and they're like, there's a thing called the crucial cash fund with the Bengals and Kettering, whereby we're trying to inspire people to make donations to support cancer care. And at the same time, last year, in the first year we had the, the partnership with the Bengals, they doubled the number of mammograms in November that were had coming out of the crucial catch month the year before. Wow. Like that type of stuff is like, it's real, it saves lives, it's changing behaviors. Because again, you're driving down the highway, you see an ad for Kettering Health with a doctor with a, you know, with a stethoscope around their neck saying, you need to go, you know, get your screenings. Like people are driving by, but coach Zach Taylor actually is now, you know, has some personal connections with this and he's gone out and he's doing TV commercials and radio spots and all the rest saying, please, you know, crucial catch. There's seven cancers that can be, um, that could be detected through early screenings. You got to get your early screenings. And year over year, we find out there's people whose lives have been saved because they've caught their cancer in stage one or stage two. Uh, Jeff, along those lines of being super creative, um, talk about the Bobby Wagner Seahawks car, um, um, comic book, how mm -hmm. that's grown from an idea to a multimedia special event extravaganza using the right player at the right time in Seattle. Yeah, I think one of the things that is important for all these things is, is stuff has to be organic and real, right? So you could be as creative and clever as you want, and but you can't, again, because people trust their influencers, they trust the people who are trusted by them. You can't tell them to do something. But if you could be somehow inspiring them to do something cool and getting them involved, right, it's better. What was the old phrase by Confucius? Like, tell me something and I may hear, uh, show it to me and you know, I may remember, but get me involved and I'll never forget. I, I forget exact quote, but you get the general idea, right? So um, I get a phone call from Tom Cruise, who's our client over at Virginia Mason Franciscan Health, who has the Seahawks, said, hey, I just got a phone call 
um, from Todd Lywicki, who's over at the Kraken, who used to be the president of the Seahawks. He goes, you got to meet Bobby Wagner. He wants to talk to you. So Tom gets on the phone with Bobby Wagner and you know, he, Bobby explains to him that his mom had uh, died from a stroke when he was in college. And he wants to do something to support the community and help raise awareness and raise money for people who are struggling from symptoms of stroke, right? It's a big deal. Stroke is, I mean, the more I've gotten to learn about it, it's, you know, it's really prevalent, pervasive, and powerful. You go look at just some of Bobby Wagner's, you know, Instagram feed comments. It's like, my mom had a stroke. My cousin had a stroke. My my next door neighbor's dealing with stroke. It's unbelievable how personal it is and how everyone's connected, kind of like cancer. So, so Tom says, Jeff, get on the phone with Bobby. I want you to just sort of listen to him, hear his story, and see if you could find a way to, you know, get him involved in a way that he would be excited to partner with us. So I was like, okay, great. So we get on with Bobby. And first of all, He's an unbelievable human being, really smart, good business person, high level of ethics, cares about what's happening, uh, intuitive, inquisitive, uh, really just a, a really special, you know, special character. Um, so asked him what it is that he cares about. Obviously, he told us about his mom and the story. Uh, his mom, Phenia, may have had a stroke when he was in college and the family had no idea. They had no education around it. They didn't know what it meant. They didn't know what a stroke was. They didn't know how to help her before, during, after. And he said, can we raise awareness and get, you know, to catch it early? Because if you catch a stroke early, it makes it way better uh, outcome than if you wait two hours, you lose like 2 million brain cells or neuros, neurons per minute while you have a blockage in your brain. If you can get to the emergency room in an hour, you know, you have a very good chance of having, you know, a pretty good outcome. If you don't, you go to sleep because you're not feeling good. Chances are you're going to have a very bad outcome. So anyway, so we're like, Bobby, what do you like and what's interesting to you? And how could we put some, you know, how could we put something here that would make it fun for the fans to get engaged and learn? Because, oh, man, I love, I love anime. Uh, there's a famous story about him uh, having his teenage mutant ninja turtles backpack stolen out of his car and how he got it back. And that was sort of a really, you know, important story for him. And he loves the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And he said, yo, and I really love Miles Morales, uh, you know, Spider-Man. It's like my favorite comic. And I was like, comics, my God, I just got a phone call three weeks ago from a guy named Jim Wexler, who I knew from the NFL days, Tom, when we were back there. Um, and he had worked on a product called Brand Games, which- I remember Brand involved. Games. Yeah, yeah, I remember them. Yeah. You remember Brand Games, right? So- Anyway, Jim's, you know, an independent contractor. He's out he, and he's got a partnership with this company, Hero Projects, that had just done these comic books for Shaggy and for uh, Floyd Mayweather and one for NYU around COVID. So they're taking these sort of graphic storytelling novels and they're applying them to business and promotional opportunities wow. and making them kind of cool. So I was like, you know, I was like, you know, maybe that could work. So I, I scribbled down on, on the thing like, you know, fast which is uh, is the acronym for detecting stroke. Facial weakness for F. Uh, a is arm weakness. Um, S is uh, speech slurring. And T is time to call 911. That's fast. So the American Heart Association and the stroke uh, associations all try to get every kid in America to learn what fast is so they can find, diagnose a stroke really quick. So we're like, all right, Bobby, we got this idea. We could turn you into a superhero and do a cool comic book thing, which would be really relevant for kids and young people to be able to learn about this fast thing. You're number 54. So we're going to call it fast 54. As a linebacker, you know how to do two things or, or the two very important things to you are know the signs, right? Know the signals, right? As a linebacker is looking to do and then read and react. So we're like, we could patch this whole thing into a story where if you could know the signals, know the fast uh, protocols, and then read and react and call 911, we could probably have a real impact. So Bobby's like, dude, that's pretty dope. So I, when he said that, I'm like, okay, I think we got something here. So we went back to the drawing board, put together uh, a few really smart agencies, this company Hero Projects, who has doing these comic books that are unbelievable, a guy named Matt Medney, extraordinary talent. Um, these guys brought this idea to life and if you go to vmfh.org, so Virginia Mason Franciscan Health, so vmfh.org slash Seahawks, you can see the whole program there. You can read the comic uh, with your thumb on your phone. It has like a, a, a scrolling page. We've got a video of the comic, like a stop motion video, and you can make a donation to, to the fund. 
So anyway, we thought this was going to be great. Uh, worked really hard on it, put together a really great product. I represented Bobby really well. Um, he's really proud of it. The Seahawks were all in. Virginia Mason Franciscan Health's all in. And then it blew up like nothing I've ever seen. We, uh, The NFL posted it on Instagram and had a hundred uh, you know, shares. I mean, a hundred thousand engagements is like years in healthcare, like engagement. I mean, like years and years, right? Um, he went on the Rich Eisen show, talked about it with Rich on the podcast. It like that blew up. Sports Illustrated picked it up. King Five, who's the NBC affiliates, like we love this. We're all in, and we actually just put together a a partnership with King Five, who's now going to be on the, the the Fast Fifty Four team. Microsoft, who Bobby works with uh, through LaShonda Hurst, who is one of his associates and works at Microsoft, just did a a whole fundraising and education piece to the entire Microsoft company. They raised tens of thousands of dollars and Bobby matched it on the spot. And then this last week we were out at uh, Renton Elementary School where Bobby gave away 500 copies of the book to the kids and read the, the book to the kids in the fast to making the kids repeat back facial drooping is like really cool. It's like it all kind of is hitting on all cylinders. And this weekend, like my worlds collide because I got my throwbacks bringing on for the game on Sunday. But we're going to be presenting a huge like 10 by 20 uh, booth area. We're going to give away 2,500 copies of the book to the first 2,500 people who come to the stadium. We've already given away 10,000 of them. We're going to have to go back and print more because they're just going crazy. Crazy. We're get, the Seahawks are giving them out to their flag football teams and to the elementary schools. Um, unbelievable. The whole thing's come together. And I will tell you that lives are going to be saved. Uh, people are going to have better survivor um, uh, outcomes because they got their strokes got caught early. And we're going to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars for stroke uh, care. Uh, I'm not sure exactly where all, how all the money is going to get divvied up, but they want to put... Um, products into the hands of stroke survivors to help them avoid falls, which is really important in strokes, blood pressure machines, walkers, programs, home health aid. So it's going to fund, you know, again, like the whole idea around cr crowdfunding and cause marketing. Um, traditionally, hospitals and others will try to find 10 people with a million dollars. All this cause marketing crowdfunding is that we will find a million people with $10, right? And so, Already, we're seeing huge numbers of individual donations coming in, $5, $10, $50, $100. And it, it kind of, we built that built out based on a lot of what we did with Eli Manning and the Tackle Kids Cancer Program that we built with Hackensack about 10 years ago, which has now raised $8 million. Wow. I'm just, first of all, that's really impressive. Congratulations on that really Ooh. good work. It's, it's amazing. I'm, I'm also impressed that you're using an old school media product to, to help uh, spread the word with hearing the word books and needing to print more copies. That's kind of nice to hear in 2020. Look, look, we're we're trying to get more people to to watch it on their phones and read it on their computer. So there is a ebook version, but I'm telling you, we're like really trying hard, but people are, I'm looking at the, the map, people are reading that book in Australia and Malaysia and Hong Kong. Awesome. So it's kind of a global reach with the, with the digital part. And then the terrestrial part, you put that book in the kid's hands and they're actually reading it. It's really, it's really cool. So, and if we could imprint that whole thing in people's memory around, you see someone's face droop immediately. They're like, okay, this is a stroke. Yeah. And you got a call right away. Um, Joe, if you don't mind my last business question for Jeff, cause I know we've got about five more, six or seven more. Yeah. Minutes. And you can, you can wrap it up, Tom, with that too. So. Okay. My last uh, uh, business question for Jeff is, a good segue from what you, the story you just told you're mostly representing the buy side in these sponsorships, correct? Correct. The healthcare systems and stuff like that. So when you're going in at this point in history, compared to let's say when you started this 11, 12 years ago, how different is it in terms of what you're looking for or demanding or negotiating in terms of activation, particularly in the area of digital and social media? Because it's all changing so fast, and I'm sure it's very important in terms of getting impressions out there. How are you handling that part of the negotiation? Yeah, I think the first thing we try to do is we we work really hard to convince the teams that it's not Coke, Pepsi, it's not Budweiser or 
you know, or, right. or Corona right. or Modelo, right? It's, this is an endemic provider. They are, they're not to be, and these are nonprofits. So you don't want to be beating your chest saying, hey, we just got a $7 million sponsorship from this hospital system. Like it's breaking my heart. Like why should any hospital who's a nonprofit be giving $7 million to a, a team you know, right. now we've been obviously working now on the analytic side. We actually have a methodology that we've built that actually calculates the return on investment right on down to the profit level. So that's really cool. So we've been now being able to go to the teams and say, hey, listen, we don't want to be seen as an advertiser. We need to tell stories around health for your players, for your team and for the community. And we need to inspire people to change. And we want to build trust that you guys trust this healthcare provider. And I'll tell you, for all you want to do, um, I could never have bought the type of media that Bobby Wagner's kind gesture to volunteer and not take a penny to do this program has generated for this community and this hospital system. We're somewhere cresting around 200,000 engagements on social. And you can, you know, a lot of people will give you a CPM for what that means, but it is what I would call unaffordable for a hospital or healthcare system to- yeah. To oh. buy two hundred thousand, well, earn earn media from good content, earn yeah. media, right. and it's because the stories are good and they 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 feel right, they feel authentic, and you don't look at it like that. Well, the team just took the highest bidder, right? They actually teamed up with a company who had something to try to do together with them in the community. So we work really hard to not do any first party advertising. Let me say that again. Remember, we talked earlier on about people don't care what you say about yourself. They care about what other people talk about you. So, you know, over the last few years, Dave Sims talked about prostate cancer because he's a prostate cancer survivor and he's the voice of the Mariners. Uh, Dan Wilson has talked about, uh, you know, about prostate cancer as well and how it's important for men to get these things done. Virginia Mason Franciscan Health is always the, right, and Kettering Health and Hackensack, they're always the recipient of the, as the subject matter expert to be the, you know, the, the authority on that particular thing and the solution to help you get an appointment to see a doctor. But the key is trying to convince these teams not to treat it like an advertisement. We don't need, these hospitals have 100% aided awareness in the, that market. They don't need a logo hmm. on a ring LED in the corner end zone. They need meaningful, contextual, authentic content that inspires their fans to live the best healthy life that they can. That's sort of the trick. And if you do that, then the calls to action aren't like buy this product. It's learn more and make an appointment right. and see your doctor and find out why if you're 45, you need to start thinking about getting your colonoscopy because, you know, if these, I say we did one thing and I'll let you wrap on this. We did lung cancer scan at the uh, Seahawks um, game pregame. So you had the machine there doing it for people? We brought the machine. The AC wow. Slade and our team worked it out, worked with the clinical folks. They brought the, it's a, it's a mobile CT scanning machine that goes around from hospital to hospital that don't have their own CT scanners. So it goes to this hospital on Monday, that hospital on Tuesday. Right. It doesn't work on Sunday, but it worked on Sunday because we actually did lung screenings wow. for cancer uh, for those who qualified that we reached out through the Seahawks. The fans came out and said, I would love to get a lung cancer screening. They were brought through their insurance to make sure it was all covered. And then and they were actually doing lung cancer screenings at the game. So to me, like that sort of, that's where it all comes around full circle. Amazing. All right, before we say goodbye, Jeff, 30 seconds, let's revisit the question we asked you three years ago, but you're older and wiser presumably now. 30 seconds, your best career advice, particularly for young people getting their careers going. Do what you love to do and you'll never work a day in your life. Oh, that's cliche. Come on. All right. So <laughs> um, Mary I think I, I answered this last time. I said I worked on that Tackle Kids Cancer Program with Eli Manning. I worked like 80 hours a week on that thing because I actually thought it was really right. like meaningful. And I, I would never put in those types of hours for that type of pay. If I didn't think it was good. And I got to tell you, to this day, I feel like I, I did yeah. something good. That's fair. You know? Yeah. But not everybody is lucky enough to have a position like that, particularly when they're younger. Uh, uh, so, so what you got to yeah. do is get really good experience early on so you can position yourself in stuff that actually right. makes you want to work the extra, you know, three hours a day because it's it's cool and you can make a difference. Yeah. And you feel like you feel like you're really contributing. 
Um, where can everybody find you and your company if they want to check you out? Playbookforhealth.com. I'm on LinkedIn, so hit me up, and I will. I will find a. I'll post. Oh, I got to see the video from, you know, from the old days, and then I'm going to go find that video. Uh, Tom, you look still look great. I got to say, for those of you who aren't able to watch this, you know, live and are listening, Tom, I think that between the two of us, we're hanging in there pretty. Yeah, good you look the tool. same to me. I think that's one thing well, about well, old well, friends. Well, we all kind of look well, the same. Well, you always look good. So you look mob. I don't know you for forty years. I only know you for like five. Yeah. Right. I mean, it is funny to think how young we were, Jeff, when we met each other. Um, Jeff Safka, thank you so much. That was an amazing conversation, Joe. I don't know why we waited three years because Jeff is always a pleasure to have. Not only because he's a, a charming personality, but the work he's doing is just so impressive and so yep. inspirational. And I hope a lot of people listen to this. Uh, and and that last bit of advice, I think, is awesome. Get some good experience. Put yourself in a position where you can contribute. And that's kind of the recipe, I think, for a fulfillment over time. So, Joe, anything else you want to add? No, it was great. It's always, you know, I think we waited three years because we were waiting for the, the new name of Jeff's company to really bake in. That was really important. So. <laughs> I'll go with that. Yeah. Um, well, I'm grateful for the opportunity. I love both you guys. I know Joe and I have, we do have work to do to figure out how to engage these hospitals and healthcare systems more in the mental health space. Um, but they're typically not in that space. Like hospitals don't do like dental, right, medical right. and behavioral yeah. health. So yeah. we got to find a way, Joe, to help bring mm -hmm. some of the same, you know, techniques and methodology to that space. It's, but there's just not the same type of endemic providers out there that make it easy to, to commercialize it. Right. And just commercializing it gets it out to the population because there's no money otherwise. But at yeah. least, but at least leagues and teams are now acknowledging it and including it in their services to their to their uh, staffs and and players, which I think is awesome. It wasn't like that ten years ago, as we know. Yeah. Or definitely it's, it's an independent contractor world. It's not a hospital based world, and that's why I have not been able to find that sort of magic. Uh, you know, idea that helps really put some fuel in the tank, but we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. Cool. All right, Jeff, thanks again on behalf of Columbia. Uh, great conversation. Really appreciate it. Good luck. Continued good luck. Have a fun weekend. Uh, you're going to be in, in Seattle. Did you say Seattle again? No, I'm not going to go out. I'm going to try to okay. watch it. I'm going to watch okay. it. Uh, nice. Jersey. Well, good luck with the event um, and keep up the great work. It's really inspirational. Thanks. Love you guys. Really appreciate it. And you're the best. Okay. Thank you, Jeff. And thanks everybody for listening. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you on the next episode.